everybody and welcome to another episode of the Matcha Diaries with your hosts Kara and Leo and this is Podmas episode 6. Woo! Hi everybody! Ho ho ho! <laughs> Leo's been rehearsing saying ho ho ho, I don't know why. <laughs> I thought it would be cute in Christmas too but it just doesn't sound right. No, it's it feels like I... you're telling, like you're like, oh, like shouting ho, at ho, someone. Ho. <laughs> yeah, like you're a ho ho ho. Whoa, I would never. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa Accusations. Whoa, whoa. I would never say ho, ho, ho in that manner. That's so funny. We're doing another bulk recording session. Um, so, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed Podmas so far. It's been a while since we recorded. It's been a week since we recorded the other um, bulk. So let us know if you've been enjoying it. And this episode, we're talking about Christmas traditions across the globe. So basically, Leo's done a bunch of research um, about some areas of the world. I've done about other areas of the world. And we're just going to share some of the things we found. We found this very interesting. And we were saying earlier as well that we, some of the things we were like, do people actually do this? Or like, how much of this is true? So if we ever do say something where you're like, yeah, that's not true. This is all just FYI, all based on research we've done on the internet. And as we all know, you can sometimes not trust the interweb um so do let us know yeah basically also we wanted to do this episode because i feel like it's just interesting to see how different people like celebrate the holidays and Mm. i think the media very much portrays like the american and british traditions probably the most so i we're not going to be touching on those really because i feel like everyone has kind of watched enough movies to be very aware of like boxing day or christmas day you know whatever it is Santa Claus coming that would be a very boring episode <laughs> <laughs> let's recap every single holiday movie you've ever watched coming out of Hallmark um but then <laughs> we kidding. also actually asked you guys on Instagram for your Christmas tradition so at the end we're also going to be reading from those and I found this really interesting like I kind of went down a wormhole when I was researching because obviously I had the most like experience growing up in Germany with German Christmas yeah. traditions or like surrounding countries But then there was a lot that I also then learned about, like, the Christmas traditions that I've just, like, accepted as fact, like, about the history behind them. So I found that quite interesting. And, yeah, I thought I'd go into it a little bit right now. So the first kind of place, obviously, Germany, and one of the kind of Christmas holidays that we celebrate is St. Nicholas Day. And I thought that this was, like, a very German thing, because... All of like the other people I'd met from my previous travels like hadn't really heard of they'd maybe heard of St. Nicholas, but they wouldn't celebrate St. Nicholas in terms of like how we celebrate in Germany is like the evening of the 5th of December. Traditionally, as a kid, you would like polish your shoes and then put it outside the door. And then the next morning you wake up, you open your front door, and there's gonna be presents inside the shoes from St. Nicholas, um, kind of giving you these gifts and traditionally gifts would be kind of walnuts chocolate mandarins and maybe like one little like special thing that like obviously your parents uh would put in your shoe and but now living in the netherlands i have discovered that actually sinterklaas which is kind of i guess comes from the same principle like it's still saint nicholas day it's also on the 6th of december is a really really big tradition here a lot bigger than it is in germany and like the whole family gets together there's like a parade as well i believe i again i'm still like learning about exactly what happens here in the netherlands but i was quite surprised to find that out and 
I just thought that was, yeah, it's kind of cute how, again, in different places, the tradition is kind of just differently interpreted. Yeah. And I then looked into, like, the history of St. Nicholas a little bit more, and I found it quite interesting that actually St. Nicholas is kind of the origins of Father Christmas as we know it. And actually, like, during the medieval era, era? During the medieval era, giving gifts was more closely associated with December 6th, so St. Nicholas Day, than it was with Christmas. And this is because actually Nicholas was the patron saint of children, and he was kind of believed to reward good behavior with gifts. And Christmas, um, back in those times, was more kind of the end of the Advent, so which was more like a period of fasting, religious reflection, and then kind of the beginning of like the, the 12 days of celebration, I guess, until the Epiphany, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, in terms of the German tradition of like putting shoes outside their room, this apparently is because the original Saint Nick would go around putting coins in the shoes of the poor and people apparently would often leave their boots outside back in the day. And Santa Claus evolved from this traditional tale of Saint Nicholas, who actually was a Greek monk who, again, spent his life really helping the poor, the vulnerable, the sick. And one of his most famous acts of kindness was when he saved three sisters from a life of slavery and prostitution by paying their dowry, which obviously usually is paid by the kind of to a groom by the father of the bride. And Mm. um, he paid it to their father in order to prevent them from being sold so they could actually marry respectful men. And that's crazy. He is kind of one of the most popular and celebrated saints in Europe, especially in Holland. And so have you heard the story like you knew have you known that it was because of like that's one of his most famous acts or did you only find this out when you were researching this? Yeah I didn't know about this like the specific act I had learned like back in school that he was kind of known for helping the poor and was like going round and round to the villages again I also didn't know that he was um, from Greece although I also saw somewhere that he's like from from Turkey I think it's basically so I found something about St. Nicholas. Apparently he was born around 245 before Christ uh, in the port city of Patara, what we now call Turkey. So again, I found different things online as well. Maybe it was yeah. Greek and now it's Turkey. I'm not quite sure if that like makes <laughs> geographical sense. <laughs> don't come at me if you know some more. Um, and and um, this... Apparently is also kind of in Austria. This was also like one of the main characters in like the Christmas celebration. And he also has an escort. So it's usually like his like less friendly escort who has like different names in different places. So what I found was like Pelznickel, Belznickel, Niklo. I think I've only heard Pelznickel. So maybe that's more of a, a, a German one. And yeah. it's interesting because I also found that like the Germans and the Dutch kind of brought many of their customs to America directly or indirectly so that's why you kind of need to look first at america to understand like the american and and worldwide like christmas traditions of today so even though it may seem like this is kind of me just talking about germany because i'm german it's actually also interesting because it (laughs) is the origins of the traditions that like we now see replicated in like movies and everything yeah so yes apparently he basically died that day so the 6th of december and so, this is the same sentence. Remembers the death of Nicholas of Myra, now the Anatolia region of modern Turkey, and he was a Greek Christian bishop, known for miracles and giving <laughs> gifts secretly. So, I don't know, Greek, Turkey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so apparently, because Austria is mostly Catholic, apparently, and Germany is kind of almost evenly divided between Protestants and Catholic. And apparently when Martin Luther, who obviously was like a great Protestant reformer, came along, he wanted to get rid of the Catholic elements of Christmas. So he wanted to replace St. Nicholas. And that's when he introduced the kind of Christ child. So Christkinder in, in German. And he kind of brought that in to kind of replace the importance of St. Nicholas to bring Christmas gifts. And later that figure would be replaced by like Father Christmas in Protestant regions. And then also like across the Atlantic. And it's kind of interesting because obviously now it's still like quite prominent, like in Germany, especially in like, I think Catholic regions of Germany, Switzerland and Austria, like the Christ child is mm. still like the, the figure that comes and brings the, the presence. I've actually never heard of Christ child. Before. Really? Okay, German, yeah. German people comment down below. In, in my household, like that wasn't the case. I think it was more like a father Christmas thing, but I definitely yeah. know like for most of like my friends, um, it was the, the Christ child that would come like through the window and Stop like it. parents would like fake like the little like snow footprints like going to the christmas tree and everything do you know and if it was like a human figure or like was it kind of it's like, like a, a baby i guess <laughs> like i don't know and how would he go through the like would he fly like <laughs> i guess like it's it's christ like it's jesus yeah. basically so jesus has a magical powers i guess <laughs> and so yeah there's also like the kind of the more evil guy accompanying him or like Knecht Ruprecht who like carries like something to like I guess tease children with I don't know tease sounds like a yeah. really weird word and um but yeah he was like the more ominous figure and then Saint Nicholas like hands out the small gifts and apparently nowadays like this is like in the Netherlands the story goes that Sinterklaas mm. lives in Spain with his helpers the Peton and his iconic white horse for 11 months of the year <laughs> which is interesting and apparently this aspect comes from the fact that like a large number of saint nicholas's relics were transported to the spanish kingdom of naples in 1087 but others think it's because of the sinterklaas association with the mandarin oranges which led to the belief that he must mm. be from spain again interesting because clearly he wasn't from spain like he was from turkey greece wherever <laughs> also i feel like it's probably 245 after christmas after christ it says ce yeah. what does that mean Mm, no idea okay moving on anyway so that's i feel like that's a quite interesting like origin for like even like santa claus it is and everything also i had no idea that there was like the good figure and the bad figure yeah i or again, like why that i wonder what the reason is for that like is there a lesson the kids are supposed to learn from it always must be balanced out i don't know <laughs> the duality of life <laughs> exactly also, there's a couple of other traditions which I feel like are a little bit different in terms of versus... Like, I think in a lot of countries, uh, the Christmas Day is the most celebrated, like the 25th. And yeah. in Germany, Christmas Eve is the most important day of the kind of German celebration. And But yeah, there's no, like, Santa Claus coming down the chimney and all of this. Mm. It's, it's kind of more the, the... Everything is, like, gathered around, like, the Christmas tree. And then normally, traditionally, that room would be closed, like, obviously for the parents to, like, prepare everything. And then in the last minute, you have, like, the exchanging of gifts, which happens on Christmas Eve in German called Bescherung. And that's either, like, before or after dinner. I, again, I know, like, normally for us it was after dinner, but 
I also remember if like some like the small kids couldn't wait sometimes it'd be like you get a couple presents before dinner and yeah there's also a really common tradition which is like the advent tradition so again I think this is also in a couple other countries I don't exactly know which countries so you'd celebrate like the four Sundays before the 24th and you kind of have like this advent wreath and you have the four candles and you light a candle every Sunday and yeah every Sunday is kind of like, like in our family group chat, it'll always be like, for Advent, like for Est Advent, outside Advent. And it's mostly <laughs> like days where like, you really should be, you know, spending it with family. Like traditionally I'd like bake cookies or we'd go to like some sort of family member. Like it's quite Cute. like a wholesome, wholesome Sundays. And then obviously something that I think we've all heard of is the Advent calendar, which was actually invented in Germany in the late 1950s. Was it? Yeah. And Do you have one this year? Are you I do. doing one? My mom, my mom brought me one, the like a marzipan one, same as she gifted oh, me last year. True. I don't know what I'm gonna do when my mom stops buying me advent calendars. You're gonna have to buy yourself one. What do you have one? Yeah, Ed's parents gave us one, but it doesn't have anything in it. It's literally like you just—it's almost like a three D tower, and then you open like the windows in the tower, and then there's a cute little like photo. That's really sweet, day. though. I like that. Yeah, and then Ed and I are like, "What's today?" You should start posting on stories like what's in your advent calendars. For the day? Yeah. yeah, I can do that. I also saw this TikTok, which is honestly iconic, and I showed it to Marco being like, can you do this? Which I don't think you will. But basically this boyfriend <laughs> made his girlfriend a book advent calendar where every day there's a different book to unwrap. And there's like, um, he wrote something like on top of them of like, a new fantasy book for you to read or like a romance book or like all these like cute descriptions almost like you know like the blind books you can buy in bookshops yeah and I was like how iconic this man literally bought 24 books for his girlfriend like that would be my dream in life how cute me laughing because uh that may or may have not been one of the things <laughs> I'm getting you for Christmas um spoiler oh my god actually there's for anyone okay no I'll t- mention this in the gift giving episode <laughs> that we're doing um but I agree it's such a cute gift especially if it's like you don't really know what the book is it's so Um, cute I always walk past those things in bookshops and I'm like oh I want to do it I want to get it I never do the thing I worry about though is if you've already read the book Mm. like I guess you never you can't really predict stuff like that but you can always like re-gift it to someone else if you have read the book yeah I've gotten a book gifted to me before that like I've already read and yeah what am I supposed to do with two of these I think it's fine yeah you can either gift it on or you just have two editions and you can lend the other one out yeah it's funny because I had two two versions and now I have none of them because I think I must have lent both of them out that's so it's just before the coffee gets called (laughs) I literally have none of the first two because I borrowed them to people I think Ali my my former has been reading it for like a a whole year (laughs) reading it (laughs) reading it i can give you mine if you want (laughs) it's fine Um, i only have the first one also okay shall i don't know how long we've been recording i'm gonna try and speed through 16 minutes okay so the last thing i thought was quite interesting was like the 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 origins of like christmas markets and even like the christmas tree so the christmas tree apparently again i don't know these bias sites but apparently it's um the first written record of the christmas tree appears in a 1527 document from the german city of mainz during epiphany which is also interesting because that's like in january versus in christmas yeah but yeah apparently it's what actually is epiphany though 
Epiphany, I it must be like some sort of like the marking of like a religious whatever. And it's when, again, there's different traditions across the globe. I know in mm. in Italy, there's like, I think Bafana. Yeah, Bafana comes. So it's like the witch who comes down the chimney to deliver sweets to like good children and lumps of coal to the bad ones. And apparently if you're lucky, Bafana <laughs> will sweep your floor, which is like the symbol of like sweeping away. The problems of the year oh okay i actually had made notes on this so epiphany um mm. is the bible tradition in the bible it's um when the three wise men arrive in bethlehem bearing gifts for baby jesus on the 12th day of christmas <laughs> and then like in the like popular version like in italy the story yeah. goes that the wise men invited a witch-like woman or strega to join them on their journey to bring gifts to the christ child she initially refused due to being too busy with housework but then tried to follow them Unable to find Jesus, the kind-hearted Bifana gave the toys to the other children. Love Bifana. I, I love that it's like she refused because she was too busy with housework. <laughs> Iconic witch. So funny. Um, and in Germany, you also celebrate Epiphany, but via like the three wise men. So like, as children, you'd dress up as the three wise men and you'd go from door to yeah. door singing these songs. Really? And then you'd write on top of the door, like, a certain, like, kind of concoction of, like, numbers and stars. And it's basically, like, the blessing for the house that year. Yeah. I think this also, again, like, a very Catholic tradition. Because I went to Catholic primary school, so I did all of these, like, traditional Catholic What were you going to say about the Christmas markets, though, and the Christmas trees? Oh, yeah. So, apparently, again, they have mainly German origins, but they eventually to German-speaking parts of Italy, Switzerland, France. And apparently they kind of gained traction across Europe in the, like, 17th, early 18th of centuries. And, like, very similar to today, there were places to, like, buy meat, like, baked goods, commodities, and they often kind of stood near churches. So this was kind of, like, a, a ground where, like, citizens of all classes could go to. So from workers, like, churchgoers, foreign travelers, like, even nobility... And as I like grew in popularity, governments realized that they needed a bit more regulation. So in Berlin, mm. for example, in 1750, they actually kind of made the location of the city's Christmas market like a, an official thing and how long it could remain open for. So they decreed it from like December 11th to January 6th. And it actually grew from like 50 stalls in 1650 to about like 600 in 1840, which is like a crazy <laughs> growth. And yeah. again, it's these were also like very impacted by like the passage of time and changing tastes. So a Frankfurt police order from 1869 said that like the city's Christmas market could only run from December 5th to December uh, to January 1st with no sales made were able to be made on December 25th, 26th or January 1st. And only like genuine Christmas objects could be sold. <laughs> and again, in that time, I quite also, like that. Yeah, and they could also, they were also, like, having to compete with, like, department stores at that time where, like, things were, like, a lot cheaper and, like, more readily accessible than, like, only the homemade stuff that was being sold. So apparently yeah. then, like, by the end of the 19th century, they were kind of, like, on the decline. And, but then actually, you know who revived it? The Nazis. <laughs> so they revived I had no idea about this apparently they yeah. revived the tradition in the 1930s and kind of reappropriated it as like a propaganda symbol of German greatness so they, that is crazy yeah so apparently before that um, you only had like the Christmas market in the east of the in the east of the city to kind of still like 
there was like still a little bit of alive of it alive. But then the Nazis moved the Berlin market back to the city center, and in 1934, it actually had like record-breaking 1.5 million visitors, and two years later, two million people attended. So it kind of became from like a firstly mercantile like operation to then like an experiential event, which is like I think also more of like what it is today. Mm. And who would have thought that um I, yeah that like that Christmas would be kind of interlinked with like the Nazis propaganda. It's so interesting. <laughs> I had like, no idea the commercial aspect of it. So apparently it kind of like wound down during then World War Two, but then it had like a resurgence again after the war ended because of like the rise of consumerism as well. Because then like they yeah. had more money, you had more spending opportunities, and obviously that's kind of like I think still on track with what it is today. So apparently now Germany hosts around like three thousand Christmas markets annually. Also, you know what I'm finding interesting is I when we talk about how commercial Christmas is, I always mm. associate it with like the past few years mm. or like recent times. But the fact that even in the 1960s, the rise of consumerism was a part of it, yeah. and like that there was intention around that, is crazy to me. Because I, whenever I think about it, and I think of like 90s, I think that's probably when it was like the most wholesome and like actually for what it is whereas now you're like oh actually I mean obviously there's cute traditions that you've like mentioned and stuff but the fact that this was involved in it is really interesting I find it really interesting how like these like holidays or especially like religious holidays are really often like tools used by like the government or yeah like churches or I guess the religious like bodies to like yeah make people happy or have like they have a purpose yeah whether it's like propaganda or making money or it's it's interesting okay i just want to mention one more tradition go on this episode can be germany (laughs) christmas no no, this is in iceland and i don't know if this is true because again i like just read this online but i read a couple of articles about it and i just think this is the most iconic tradition i've ever heard of shout out to iceland go iceland yeah when i read this i was like why do i want to move to iceland and spend my christmas there literally can we do it one christmas in iceland yes please Okay, so apparently, and people, if anyone reading this is, uh, reading this, if anyone listening is from Iceland, please, like, let us know if this is true. Apparently people in Iceland will often exchange books on Christmas Eve and then spend the rest of the night reading them and eating chocolate. And this tradition is part of a season called Yola Boca Flod. Definitely have butchered that pronunciation, mm. like, to the nth degree. But apparently that, like... I'm kind of glad you said it, because I would have not been able how, to Okay, say you say it. Jola, <laughs> Boca Flawed. <laughs> I sound like a Sims character that's like trying to speak. <laughs> so apparently it translates like the Christmas book Flood. And it's like a unique uh, cultural practice, which is apparently deeply rooted in the nation's love for literature and storytelling. And yeah, so it's all about like giving and receiving new books. And it's kind of like accompanied by like treats like hot cocoa, Icelandic chocolates, or even like special beer. And it's all about like creating memories and reading, sharing stories. And apparently, as a result, Iceland publishes more books per capita than any other country selling most of them between September and November. And this beloved tradition apparently emerged during World War II, which was kind of obviously like an era marked by like economic constraints, strict currency restrictions across Europe. 
And <laughs> in Iceland, these conditions, um, apparently there was like a relative leniency on paper imports. So it made books yeah. quite an accessible and highly valued gift choice. And paper Aww. wasn't rationed in Iceland during the war, unlike other commodities. So this kind of made the way for books to become the preferred Christmas gift. And apparently the tradition's official start was in 1944, which was also aligned with Iceland's break from Denmark. And it was like the, the debut of, again, no idea how to pronounce this, Boka P. Dindi? Oh God. The book bulletin. Just say the, the English brackets. <laughs> the book bulletin, which is apparently a catalog listing new books for the Christmas season. And it's like sent free to Icelandic homes, which to like ignite the book giving spirits. And yeah. But yeah, apparently like they've got like story loving roots, which uh, date back to like the 9th century. So they celebrated Icelandic sagas, epic narratives from the 12th to 15th centuries. And they were kind of passed down orally before they are being written down and they embody the essence of Icelandic culture and like their long-standing storytelling tradition. But obviously, yeah, now it's kind of just like a heartwarming part of their Christmas traditions and everyone coming together. And it just sounds so, so special. And I'm obsessed I with love that. It. I definitely think we can adopt it. Like, imagine how cute that would be uh-huh. when you're when you're with your family and then you just have like a book evening where everyone just like shares books and tells reads stories and drinks hot cocoa together like this would be dream. my dream i just need to get marco to actually start reading books i can't believe you're dating a non-reader i know i know past me maybe it's good you'll be ba- maybe that's good because it will force you to actually spend time together because i feel like if you both are reading you just <laughs> never talk to each other <laughs> So I know we said we didn't want to mention the US one, but um, I I think it's quite funny, actually, that they celebrate, they have like a find the pickle game or tradition where a pickle shaped ornament is hidden somewhere on the Christmas tree. And then the person that finds it gets an extra present. Um, and they thought it was an old German tradition, but have, I'm guessing you've never heard of this. No. Yeah, and so no one really knows where this tradition has started, but one of the myths is that a Civil War soldier of Bavarian origin who had been imprisoned by the enemy, that he was begging the guard for one last pickle before he died, <laughs> um, and it gave him the will to kind of carry on. Just one more pickle. One more pickle. I mean, I don't blame him, but... Pickles um, are good. Pickles are good. Another myth, though, involves St. Nicholas rescu- rescuing two boys from a pickle barrel. Um <sighs> But yeah, I think people just don't know where this tradition has actually uh, originated from. If you're from the US, let us know. Yeah, let us know. But there's actually a town in Michigan where they hold a pickle festival every year. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. (laughs) Which is really... I kind of want to see like pictures of that. Yeah. I know. We should visit all these places. That's crazy. I'd love to go to Iceland. I'd love to now go to Michigan to celebrate the pickle festival. The other tradition that I find really like... Uh, interesting is in Japan oh, how yeah. um, there was a really successful advertising campaign uh, in the 1970s with KFC so it now actually KFC sits at the heart of like the Japanese festive season where they get fried chicken <laughs> and that's kind of their like typical Christmas meal which is crazy um, so actually like people go out on Christmas day and like preserve <laughs> KFC and they go and just spend the day out with family together um honestly kind of cute so very bad for vegetarians but imagine <laughs> but this sounds very because fam- i feel like a lot of when i was at uni 
um because a lot of the Chinese students that came to uni they actually wouldn't go home for Christmas which is obviously quite sad um but what I know that most of them did is they would actually just get like a take like a fast food takeaway so I do think it might be quite similar in China as well I have to search that but that was like their thing they would literally just like (laughs) eat takeaway which I think is so cute but you know they do it together and stuff so it's still quite a festive thing yeah. because you're doing it with the people you're spending time with the people you love which is at the core that that's what you want to do on um christmas day exactly. so okay i'm very curious about like the middle eastern traditions because i know nothing about those you know what though you talking about all of this has made me realize i don't really know much <laughs> about it either um because I mean, we're going to do a whole other episode of, like, what I do on Christmas and stuff. But I've just realized that it doesn't really stem much from, like, religion, like, Mm -hmm. religious traditions or things like that. So I actually had to do a bit of Googling to learn this myself. Um, And I found a few things. So, again, I don't know if they're right or or wrong. But apparently in Syria, there isn't this idea of Santa Claus. There's no reindeers climbing down in chimneys. But there is actually a Christmas camel that has like oh a festive honor. Um, and so this is the, so the three wise men comes into this as well. So according to the, the local tradition, camels carried the three wise men to Bethlehem. Um, and upon seeing the exhausted animals arrive, the infant Jesus blesses them with eternal life, which is really sweet. Iconic infant. Um, it's so cute. Um and then actually the camel had also taken on Saint Nick's role and it makes sh- the camel makes sure that the well-behaved children get their presents. Um, again, I don't know how real this is because I had never heard of this. Um, but if it is, that's so, that's so cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think people get surprised like when they think of the Middle East, they don't realize how much... there. There's a lot of um, like Christians living in the Middle East. I think people mm-hmm. just don't realize that. Um. But yeah, so that's what I found about Syria. Also, they do a lot of, like, I think fasting is still a big part of of traditions over there. So they give up dairy products, meat, eggs, and fish, and then they break the fast on Christmas Eve. Um, Christmas is actually celebrated on the 7th of January, and it's known as Laylat al-Qadr, which is the night of power by locals. Ooh, Um, night of power. mm, Apparently. Uh, So yeah, that's another thing I've realized is like, the actual day that it's celebrated on is quite different um apparently in i'm like do i say the names in my arabic accent i don't know yeah you should the the traditions in i'll just say iraq um (laughs) they actually have apparently one of the oldest christian communities in the world and apparently bonfires is a big thing over there so it involves a bonfire of dried thorned branches and it's lit after uh, children com- complete a recitation of the nativity story. Um, uh, and then they use like candles to light the thorns. And well, tradition says that if the thorns burn completely and turn to ash, the year ahead will be filled with good fortune, um, which is cute. Oh, and then God. once the flame flames have died, apparently each person in the family jumps over the ashes three times and makes a wish, which is <laughs> so cute. Humans are adorable. I know. Why are they actually so cute? <laughs> Um, also interesting that a lot of these are about like the fortune and goodness of next year which is very interesting Um, another thing that I find interesting in terms of like the Middle Eastern traditions is the food as well Mm. so a lot of the the things that they eat so for example in in Iraq they eat 
they have like date filled biscuits which sounds so good um and in jordan which again i'm like why have i never heard of this but i feel like this is true um they it's known for their infused fruit cake um, which has like spices and then alcohol as well it's part of the traditions of christmas um and apparently cake preparations begin weeks before christmas starting on the last sunday before advent so there's a 40-day countdown to christmas so the cakes are like mixed and stirred and infused with alcohol and then baked so that they could be eaten on christmas eve wow you should ask your parents if they've ever heard of this i know i mean i'm looking at the photo and i feel like because your your mom is christian right (laughs) how do you get no actually she's not um she was right no No, my dad was christian yeah i'm sorry (laughs) your dad (laughs) but but honestly like my family we don't i don't think it's heavy in like religion at all yeah um so that's why for me i think jordan christmas was always just more like an excuse to spend time with family Mm. to less like we never went to like church or anything or same i never went to any of that stuff yeah i think both of our families Um, are very non-religious i know i went to catholic school (laughs) But that was more just because it was, like, the smallest school in my area that I could go to. And I was a very, very tiny child that got very scared when she saw the other big school, apparently. So. That's so funny. Versus, like, that we were raised in a Catholic manner. That's so funny. One of the ones I found really interesting as well was Lebanon. So Christmas in Lebanon is a big deal where they light up streets and homes. So it's that's very similar to like the US traditions, I think, mm. of like houses being lit up and stuff. Um, but one of the things that they do is in the nativity scene that they do, they decorate it with green shoots that are special to the to the region. So two weeks before Christmas, a range of like pulses, including chickpeas, lentils and beans are soaked and they're grown on like cotton wool. And then a couple of weeks later, the the it starts sprouting just in time for Christmas. And then they use those things as part of the decorations for the nativity scenes. But yeah, I never never thought of that. I mean, I have the picture up. I, I might like find a way to show it to people. But yeah, it looks very interesting. That's um, and so then again, in terms of like in terms of the food as well, it's a lot of like spices, minced lamb, um, and they also have like rice, cinnamon rice puddings, which you wouldn't think mm. is like an Arabic meal, but. I definitely think in terms of like Middle Eastern culture, it's more about, obviously there's like the religious side of it, but I think food is a big part hmm. of those traditions. I think that's all I searched in terms of the Middle East. My favorite one is a camel, to be honest. I love this camel. I want to meet him. The camel with the eternal life. He's still around. He or she. I know. I want the camel to be presents. The other thing that we do is the, um, I don't, I'm going to butcher the name. I'm actually not going to say the name, but apparently, so my dad actually on the 4th of December, my parents... They went to my aunt's house to celebrate a specific saint. Ooh. I don't know I don't know what about them. I might have to ask my dad. But that's where they do the tradition where you go you basically go spend the evening with like your loved ones on that day and then you get the little bags of like nuts and chocolate and yeah. money as well. Um so that's cute. My parents sent me pictures actually of Oh them getting that uh but again my aunt is the only one that does it so i have a bag apparently i will open it when i get home i just have to take a picture for the instagram when you get it (laughs) for the instagram also okay i feel like we should now go through like the things that you actually submitted but yes i just wanted to 
a couple, one thing that I did want to mention, because I feel like we've talked a lot, like, I especially was talking about, like, things originating from, like, I guess a lot of this is, like, centered around, like, the Christian religion, right? Yeah. Um, and, but I found that apparently the origins of Christmas can actually be traced back to ancient pagan celebrations, mm. which were celebrated, like, around, like, December 25th, like, January 1st to the 5th, and Saturnalia, which is, like, December 17th to 23rd. But because, like, the Christian church disapproved of these festivals, they kind of co-opted the holidays by declaring December 25th as Jesus' birthday. And again, I know that there's also, like, different, you know, I think different accounts of, like, when Jesus was actually born and all of this. Like, I don't actually know that much about it in terms of, like, the historical accuracy of that being the date. But I kind of feel like it's on brand for the Christian church to, like, just co-opt. Like, I just don't want these pagan celebrations to exist. They were just going to utilize it for our own baby jesus you know yeah and because apparently even like traditional christmas trees like also the pagans revered evergreens as like symbols of eternal life and rebirth and also mistletoe was actually held sacred by like celtic druids native american indians because it's still like green and has fruit during the winter when like everything else seems to die so it's also interesting yeah. how, like, a lot of these celebrations are actually not from, like, don't have a Christian origin, but have, like, different older, you know, religions, roots, which I thought was quite fascinating as well. Also, I always thought that Coca-Cola made Santa Claus red, but again, apparently that's yeah. not true. So Yeah, apparently in 1931, Coca-Cola, which is crazy to me that they, Coca-Cola existed back then. That is insane. Um but they had a magazine advert where they introduced a red Santa and everyone thought that that's like the first sighting of a red suited Saint Nick. But then apparently the artist who did the ad for Coca-Cola um, had Don Sundblom, don't know how to say the name, but they said it was actually work inspired by um, Clement Clark Moore and Thomas Nast. So yeah, interesting that that was like a widely believed thing and it's yeah. actually not. It's so funny because I literally thought that and I feel like it's something that you say is like, oh, did you know Santa Claus wasn't always red? Like Coca-Cola made him red. Um, yeah. But yeah, Thomas Nast, who was like a quite famous like caricaturist in the US. Mm. But um, yeah, he was a Bavarian immigrant actually and then was like a Civil War cartoonist and he did a lot of like political cartoons but also was kind of famous for like his like Santa Claus images Again, that were like yeah. inspired by Saint Nicholas because he's believed to have worn the red uh, kind of yeah. coat. Which again, it goes back to Saint Nicholas, which is interesting. And he kind of um, these drawings were kind of appeared like this merry old Santa Claus image, which maybe we can post about as well. That appeared mm. in eighteen eighty one, so a lot yeah. earlier uh, than than kind of Coca Cola's nineteen thirty one advert. Apparently, he based it on. The poem that was written by um, Clement Clark Moore. And apparently, like, his description of St. Nicholas was what inspired the cartoon or drawing, whatever. Yeah. Um, Do you want to read the poem? Should we read the little... Yeah. So it says, um, His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry, his droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow. And the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl of, full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. Oh, and then it continues. But yeah, that's basically, apparently that's the part of the poem that inspired the drawing. But to be honest, I get it. Like from reading that, that's exactly how I'm picturing yeah. it. 
so interesting so yeah that's exactly what like thomas nast was then inspired by like this poem which when is it oh so the poem is from 1922 yeah and this was like the poem is called a visit from saint nicholas but it's better known as twas the night before christmas which i feel like that is like Mm -hmm. a very common common line yeah everyone knows that so so interesting Thank you, very, Tom very Clark Moore and Thomas Nast. Thank you. <laughs> right, should we go on our Instagram to see what people have said? Yes. I need to just go to my archived stories. Let's do it. I'm like, how long ago did we post that? Quite a while ago. Also, the I'm just looking at the picture of the infused Jordan fruitcake mm. and that looks delicious. Doesn't it look so good? It looks really good. Please try and like acquire it this, this Christmas. I will do. Okay, so someone said that in Poland, sitting at the table when the first stars appear, 12 dishes uh, and then presents on the 24th. Um... Someone said, I think it's less of a tradition, but they were like, we start every Christmas morning with a coffee and a bacon roll. Best wake-up smell. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, I love it. It's more like family Someone... traditions. Yeah, I love, yeah, it's more family traditions. Someone said, we go for a long dog walk on the beach in the woods and have a big roast for lunch. Iconic. Where um, do you live that you take a walk on the beach? I know. Let us know. <laughs> um, In Sweden, Santa visits your family on the 24th and you Usually someone you know is dressed up. That's the same with us as well. Like 24th, we always have a family party and then um, our cousin dresses up as Santa and he's been doing it for years. Iconic. (laughs) I love this. Someone said they have an exclusive cousin's dinner party every Christmas. Um, No parents are allowed. (laughs) Also iconic. Ooh, and apparently in Russia, Christmas is not that widely celebrated. New Year's is more celebrated. Interesting. Um, so for New Year's, when there's kids in the family, they let them stay up till 12 a.m. And then when the clock strikes 12, the adults start to open and close doors and windows and put all the <laughs> gifts under the tree. And the kids stand there with their eyes closed and all of the action for them to believe that it was Father Frost who came. Aww. Wait, that's so interesting that they so, do this on New Year's as well. Yeah. Father Frost, I've like heard of him. But again, I've Have like... You? I've heard of like, I've heard the name, but I haven't... Mm. I didn't know any traditions associated to it. Yeah. Someone said, in Brazil, we make a big deal out of Christmas Eve, dinner and presents, but Christmas Day is just a normal day. Interesting. Um, wow. Very. Do you have to go and back then... to work? That's upsetting. <laughs> it's very upsetting. Uh, someone said, my grandmother reads us old Christmas stories from when she was young. It's so sweet. Oh. Someone said going to church together on Christmas Day and spending the holidays together. Um, Wait, can you record you your watch... grandma reading a story and send it in? Yeah, can that be one can of be our a... Podmas episodes? Can be a bonus episode. <laughs> I love that. Um, apparently, someone watches carols from Kings on Christ Eve in front of the fire. That's so cute. Um, apparently, the... someone draws a lot during the evening like everyone Ooh. gathers and they draw a lot she's from Jel- uh, belgium gelman <laughs> gelbim belgium <laughs> my brain wait this is so cool someone recycles their christmas tree in their grandma's garden and then they take it on christmas day to decorate it oh wait so does, does that mean yeah. they just they have a tree in their grandma's garden that they decorate yeah that's a cool garden that it has like a, <laughs> a tree like that i know just a christmas tree 
I love this. Someone said we eat lobster and king crab on Christmas Eve. It's been family tradition for decades. I love it. Wow, for decades um, as well. That's a long time. I know. And then someone said we are 25, 18, and 16, and mom still buys matching pajamas and a Christmas Eve film every year. Yes, I want to be that mother. Oh, and then this says gifting to unhoused people in our hometown. It's not a solution, but everyone deserves to unwrap gifts. Oh, wow, that's a really special tradition. That's lovely. Yeah. And then people play board games as well. And then they go around saying one thing that they're grateful for, which I think is so cute. Oh. Yeah, this is why I'm kind of sad that we don't have Thanksgiving because I love like I know. the thought of it that like you just eat like a whole day is dedicated to eating and like saying like being grateful. Yeah, it's so sweet. Someone said Southern food for Christmas Eve dinner, mashed potatoes, fried chicken, ETC, which I guess is similar to like the Japan tradition of eating KFC, like fried <laughs> chicken. That's so interesting. Okay, this was mentioned a couple of times, actually. So um, this person's family is from Philipp- the Philippines. And they live in the U.S. and they keep 12 fruits on the table from Christmas to the New Year to keep away the bad spirits. Ooh. But I'm remembering Ale saying like more for New Year's as well. They eat 12 grapes. So yes, like, true. As a countdown to midnight. Also, and I think it's the same thing of like getting rid of any bad spirits, which I think is so cool. Apparently there's something in Spain of like there's this pooping thing. Like I don't I don't remember like what it is, but it's like this log that poops? I'm completely butchering the Spanish tradition. <laughs> There's a log and it poops. <laughs> Spanish Christmas tradition. Oh, yeah. It's Tío de Nadal. Cagatío. Spanish Christmas tradition word. A Catalan. Ah, it's Catalan. A Catalan log that poops candy at Christmas. Salt Catalan holiday tradition involves a log that's fed scraps of food for several weeks leading up to Christmas. Then it's beaten with a stick and implored to poop out a Spanish nougat called Turon. <laughs> Absolutely iconic. That is very iconic. I'm glad I like kind of remembered that right because it sounded really weird when I was saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where? What is your brain and where does it come up with this stuff? Um, one of the other ones we got, which is so cute, is each person makes a wish while stirring the Christmas cake before it's cooked. <gasps> And the adults get stockings too. And they all make each other stockings. I love that. I love all of these. I'm obsessed. I wish we that could like I... spend different Christmases, Christmas days, you know, like reliving the Christmas days, but like in different people's homes, just to like see all of the different Christmas traditions. Yeah, it's so cute. And how cool that we get I to develop it. our own for our own families. I know. And I think there's no pressure. Like you just do what you like. I think we should do the Iceland one. I honestly want to do the book exchange. We could send each other books. Yeah. Ed's uh, family tradition is they do bed books on the morning of Christmas. So they all literally, like, they still do this now, which is so cute. They go into their parents' room and they all just sit in bed and they gift each other books. Oh. Um, to, like, read before bed, like, a little bed book. Um, so when when we had, when COVID happened and I had to spend it with them, we literally did the same. Like, I just, like, got in their bed with them and we, they got me some books and stuff, which is very cute. Um, I, love the, I love the visual of you getting in bed with as parents. And my sister was there as well and she did the same. So clearly we have a very close relationship with Ed's family. That's actually adorable. It was very cute. Uh, but that's all we got in terms of responses. Shall we end it here then? Yes. I feel like this was very interesting. I think the most in-depth one was like Germany. But I guess because a lot of the traditions originate from there. So I think that's... Which I didn't really know. So that's very... It was 
interesting yeah. for me to listen to also i do it. apologize if it was a bit drummer centric i think i got like co-op in the research because i found it interesting no it's so <laughs> interesting i found it i was just like taking it all in but very, also very if you if you have anything that like disproves anything we said again not experts we literally just spent a couple of hours researching this so always happy to be educated on things um but i hope yeah you enjoyed listening to what we found out and would love to hear your thoughts on things or like other christmas traditions or mm. validating anything that maybe we researched like whether it's true or false yeah also obviously we just did like a few places i'm sure yeah. there's so many more traditions um we just we couldn't cover them all um but yeah we're very very interested so like even if you want to reach out to us and be like by the way we do this here like it's all fun and we want to know so yes especially if you're from iceland please let us know <laughs> if this is true okay yes well then perfect we hope you enjoyed this episode and I speak to you very soon for a next episode of Padmas. yes bye everyone bye bye speak soon bye